As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at killerqueenspodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast. And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Hey, y'all, before we get to the show today, we want you to hear the promo that we've got for you. This is called The Shattered Window. It's hosted by Emily G. Thompson, who is a published true crime author and podcaster. And she also hosts Morbidology, which I'm sure that you've heard of, probably listened to. And the other host is Eileen McFarlane, a true crime podcaster with a journalistic background. So this is The Unsolved Murder of Jacqueline DeWallaby, and it's a serialized show on this case. They are very, very thorough in their research, and it is very well put together. So I know a lot of you guys do like those more serialized shows and deep, really deep dives into the case. So we think you're going to love it. Take a listen and make sure you subscribe to them wherever you listen to podcasts to get the whole story. Enjoy. The murder of Jacqueline DeWallaby is a tragedy that has puzzled and polarized the minds of those who know it. Over the past six months, we've extensively investigated this case, trawling through files, trial transcripts, and archives, and have been conducting interviews with the people who've lived through it. It was a sensational, startling fact that a seven-year-old little girl had shown up missing from a suburban home. Something like that happening would have never crossed our parents' minds. The notion that a stranger can slip into a child's bedroom in the middle of the night, completely undetected, is surely a notion that every single parent on this earth fears. But what's even more lamentable is knowing that a child killer is roaming the street, and even more chilling, they could be someone you know. Hosted by Emily G. Thompson and Eileen McFarlane, this is... The Shattered Window. 
Welcome back to Killer Queens. Woohoo! Contrary-wise, welcome for your first time. Should it should it be your first time? Exactly. I'm sure I use contrary-wise incorrectly. Well, we'll get a review on that one. We do appreciate <laughs> the fact that you guys tell us when we are stupid, but also the the humor in it because we can find the humor in that because we know we're stupid. Yeah. That was actually, we both learned something yesterday about what mutually exclusive actually means. Yes, and I actually heard it in a sentence just later on that afternoon. So it really hit home for me. But I just found that review to be, it was a five-star review. So obviously they like us, but it was the funniest review. One of the funniest reviews we've ever gotten. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. But as soon as like Tori read me the actual definition, I was like, oh... Okay, because this is how we've been using it. So I see exactly what you mean. We were close, but no cigar. <laughs> <laughs> no cigar, no cigar. You know, you learn something new every day. So You know what? And sometimes you, you go you 30 plus years of life doing something wrong and you just need somebody to be like, you dumb idiot, this is actually how you do that. So Tori, what did we learn the other day when we were shopping and you showed me something and I was like, what? And I'm just now learning this for the first time. What was it? Oh, I forget now. I forgot too, but it was something like, oh my God. Yeah, it was a definite like mind blown moment. Yeah, well, we both forgot it. So that went in one ear, not the other, didn't it? <laughs> well, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Yes, happy Thanksgivings. Yeah, we hope you're eating lots of uh, whatever kind of food you like. Our personal favorite is the country ham. But if you like tofurkey, that's fine too. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, We hope you are socially distanced, celebrating, you know, keeping it safe. Yes, because according to the news, the scary times are a coming. Yeah, so we do hope you're all safe. Yes. And we've got a Thanksgiving story for you, which is crazy. kind of weird. It's kind of crazy. Of course, before we get to the the full case, check out the Patreon. Have uh, have yourself a merry little Patreon. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes, that would be so fun. We'll have to get Sloan on that design. Yay, I did it. I, I did you something did that was a quote. Usually all the quotes come from my stupid ass sister who's not as cute as me, Torella, but I did it. I think that's wildly inaccurate. <laughs> I don't think the quotes come from me, but okay. Well, all right. The rest of it, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dispute, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, we've got bonus episodes there. We do three a week. We do murder mixtapes, a full bonus case every week. We do doc jams. We cover a docu, like an episode of a docu series every single week. So, and all the episodes are ad free. So check it out. Yes. And that, I feel like that's the icing on the cake. It really is. No matter what level you are, you get all of the regular episodes ad free. Yes. For as little as three doll hairs. I know. That's less than a cup of Starbucks coffee a month. Exactly. And you know what? We've had people that say that that's quite the steal and not many people give you that much bang for your buck. So no. And I will tell you, there are some podcasts that I listen to that you have to pay more to get ad free. You don't just get ad free. Hmm. Well, just saying. Wow. That seems pretty rude, but okay. I mean, I just feel like, yeah, it's a steal. Yeah, exactly. There are reasons to be there. Have yourself a merry little Patreon. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, so now we're going to get into the case. We've done enough of this. 
usually we say that and then we keep on doing more, but I think it's time. Yeah, I think we're going to not actually do that this time. So we're growing. This uh, case takes place in Thanksgiving 2009. In 2009, Thanksgiving fell on November 26th and families were spending time together and giving thanks for everything they had and the people in their lives. Families were eating turkey and watching football or the dog show. Or the dog show, yeah. uh, The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Mm -hmm. I guess I watched the dog show some, but mostly I just ate all the food and then fell asleep. Oh, that's the best part. And then I feel like once you're up from your nap, you go at it again. Oh, big time. You like, you got your plate that you took home and you're like, give me them deviled eggs. See, it's like a very regimented (laughs) um, balance of like eat, nap, TV. Yeah. Eat, nap, TV, repeat. Isn't it like, like the average amount of calories that an American person takes in on Thanksgiving is like fucking 3,000 or something crazy? It's like the amount that you take in, in the whole year. Yeah. Is what you do in one day. Exactly. (laughs) Well, those mashed potatoes are not going to eat themselves. Well, sure. And you got to wear your stretchy pants. Mm, I mean, mm -hmm. you got to come prepared. And if that happens to be, I don't know, Santa pants, getting ready for the next holiday, that's fine. That's fine. That's totally fine. Totally. In Jupiter, Florida, a little over 50 miles north of Miami, in an upscale gated community, Jim and Muriel Sitton were hosting their family Thanksgiving. Their six-year-old daughter, Michaela, had written cards about how thankful she was that they strung on a clothesline. She also showed off her dancing and singing in an unplanned rehearsal for her upcoming performance in The Nutcracker the next day. Well, that is adorable. I know. I love The Nutcracker. It's so good. I do too. And I'm sorry. I don't care how many times I see it. I always want to go see it. I know. Me too. And actually, Andrew really likes it. Like, we've gone to see that a couple of times together and it's really good. We probably won't be able to see it for, what, three more years now? in public with other people, but I know, I know. I just, I miss it. Me too. Her grandmother and grandfather, which were Muriel's parents, 76-year-old Raymond and Dr. Antoine Joseph came for the celebration, as did her Aunt Carol and Uncle Michael marriage. (gasps) I'm going to do it. When we were trying to figure out how to say this last name, because it's not, as you know, because you clicked on it, it's not spelled like marriage, but it's pronounced like marriage. And I was like, love and the marriage, love and the marriage. And now that's like so stuck in my head. You are welcome. And that's my gift. It's my Thanksgiving gift to all of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. Although, all blue eyes. Sure. All blue eyes. My third husband's. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Carol and Michael's twin daughters, 33-year-olds Carla Marriage and Lisa Knight, who was pregnant with her first child, along with her husband Patrick Knight, had been invited, and they all came eager to have Thanksgiving with their family. However, Carol and Michael's 35-year-old son, Paul, had not been invited by the Sittons. Despite not being invited, he had called his parents and told them that he was planning to come. In fact, he'd been calling them for days to get information about Thanksgiving. He'd repeatedly checked the time with his parents. He was estranged from most of his family and rarely, if ever, came to family functions, so it wasn't like him to want to participate in Thanksgiving. But for whatever reason, he's super eager this year. Carol and Michael never mentioned his plans to attend to the Sittons, who hadn't seen Paul in 13 years. Do you think it's because they just didn't feel like he was serious about it? Or were they like, I don't want to have this conversation with him. If it happens, he can figure it out? Or I don't know. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that later. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. But also, Paul doesn't need to be crashing someone's Thanksgiving. Like... You don't just show up uninvited, okay? Yeah. I want to sing Alanis. But are you? <laughs> you're not allowed. That song used to creep me out. I mean, same, but I also love it now. It's very eerie. Yeah, it you're is really eerie. Uninvited. And it came out the same summer that one of the Scream movies came out. And so that was like Ooh. a very, very emotionally difficult summer for me. <laughs> <laughs> because song- I was like alone at night. Never, but I just felt scared anyway. <laughs> you were alone with your principles. I do feel like, though, it's important to note that that song was on the City of Angels soundtrack, which is not a scary movie. No, but the song is scary. <laughs> and you it's couple like the... that with Scream came out that summer. What's okay. a sixth grade girl to do? Pee your pants and not be able to sleep for three years about it. <laughs> yeah, and make her fourth grade sister get up in the middle of the night with her to go pee. Exactly. Because you're I had my own problems, Torella. Anaconda, okay? Oh, I had my man. own shit to deal with. Yeah, that's true. That was a rough <laughs> one, too. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So Carol told her daughter, Lisa, that she'd had a quote-unquote sinister thought about Paul's plans. Oh. She told Lisa, I hope he doesn't come and kill us all tonight. Okay. That's not just sinister. That's fucking ominous. That's ominous. And then, okay, so Lisa's response was not like, oh, mom, that's crazy. You know, like, what are you saying? She said, mom, it came to my mind, but don't say that to dad because dad would get upset that we had such ideas. So we're we're all just feeling like the possibility of someone coming here and killing us is real, but we just don't want to upset the other guests. Yeah. Or is that what I'm getting from that? That come? Yeah, that's, it's, that's not, that's not good. Even after checking and double-checking the time, he was an hour and a half late, but Paul did join the family for Thanksgiving. During dinner, he didn't eat anything. For three hours, Paul was there, but not actively participating in the day. How how awkward. Uh, yeah. He had ape oxford arms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> At 
after dinner and sing-alongs where he was just on the periphery and not singing. Um, all I can think of is Tim's not singing. <laughs> I'm thinking of, because we just watched You've Got Mail the other day and they were uh, singing The, the Horn. horn. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> so forlorn. Yep. I love it. So, and maybe they were singing that song. Like, we don't know. Yeah, but, but Paul wasn't well, singing. Paul's not no, singing. Paul's not singing. He went outside to his car and retrieved a gun. He walked calmly back in the house and without a word, he began shooting. Oh, my dear God. His heaven. family on the holiest of days, Thanksgiving. Oh, my gosh. Doesn't he would not have been crowned Miss Thanksgiving. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely not. Paul Michael Marriage was born in Florida in 1974 to Carolyn Michael Marriage. He was their second child and second boy. He would soon be followed by twin girls, Lisa and Carla. He was a varsity athlete. He played football, baseball, and soccer, and an honor student at his fancy-schmancy Miami prep school, Gulliver Preparatory Academy. That is such a fancy-schmancy name. I know. it. Like, how many Trevors do you think went there? Ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> or like Alton's. <laughs> yeah. And if those, that's your name, sorry. Um, he was described- He was a fancy schmancy name. That's all we're saying. Yeah, fancy, exactly. He was described as driven, mature, handsome, fit, personable, and quiet. He was called well-liked, but not popular. That seems- mm. That's a little- Doesn't seem to go, right? No. How are I you well-liked, like... but not popular? Well, okay. I feel like I know how that's pop possible. So I almost said how that's popular. How that's possible. How that's popable. <laughs> I think that like the way that I was in high school, I feel like people maybe would have looked back on me and been like, oh yeah, you know, she was fine. But I wasn't ever a popular kid. I wasn't ever. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. I don't know why I you couldn't wrap back my head on someone that. fondly, but they weren't yeah. like the it kid. Right. Okay. Yeah. I would have fallen in that too. I think people got along with me. Okay. But I wasn't, I wasn't like a super popular person. I just yeah. got along with people. Okay. I get it. I don't know why I didn't get that. So. Well, you're not very smart. Nobody said anything about you being smart, just that you're kind of well-liked. Yeah. I think if you were to go back and ask people that I went to school with, they would be like, well, uh, she's nice enough. Dumb as a rock. <laughs> Dumb as a rock, but nice. Shit for brains, but yeah, she was she was nice. Yeah, she was nice enough. Paul was the leader of the French Honor Society and as a kicker on the football team, frequently had to practice on his own since it's a specialty and not something they worked on in practice. Well, that kind of goes right along well with his kind of antisocial, quiet nature. Yes. In his yearbook senior year, Paul had a senior page where he wrote a note to, quote unquote, all 32 members of his family. Quote, I love you now and will forever. I've been so lucky to be blessed with having twin sisters and a protective older brother. He wrote to his mom and dad, thank you for all that you have given me. That's kind of weird. It almost sounds like a... Like a suicide note? A little, yeah. Like a goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. And his mom and dad did give him a lot. They fully supported him financially and would continue to do so like forever, pretty much. Or as long as they could. Like, I guess we don't know how long that would have continued. But upon graduating third in his class in high school, Paul planned to attend the University of Miami. His plan was to graduate and become a doctor. 
However, plans and reality can often take different paths. When he was 13, his family got into an argument and Paul overreacted just a hair when he pulled out a loaded gun no one knew he had and pointed it at his family. Okay. Very slight overreaction. Right. I mean, who hasn't been there, right? Exactly. You lose that monopoly. You pull a gun. It yeah. happens. We get it. it yeah, wow. exactly. Yeah. The, he did not fire the gun, but obviously the family was freaked out. Yeah. According to his mother, Paul then had a quote-unquote nervous breakdown when he was 19. He was an honor student, but he had always battled with depression and OCD and recently had begun to suffer from insomnia as well. On top of that, he was gaining weight and losing his hair. He'd been losing his hair since he was about 17 and had even started taking Rogaine in high school as a preventive measure. I don't, does Rogaine, that's not how Rogaine works, right? Okay, Rogaine is one of those things that works if it's not male pattern baldness. It won't really work if your hair is, like if the follicles have died. Okay, but wait, is Rogaine, can you take it? I thought it was just a shampoo. Is it a pill? No, no, no. It's not a pill. Well, I'm okay. To be honest with you, I don't know. I mean, you could be saying Rogaine in the form of like biotin or something like that, which are pills. The only Rogaine that Uh I know of, there's a shampoo and then there's a like a foam and you leave it in after you shampoo your hair. And it makes okay. kind of a greasy look, which is not ideal, but it's supposed to help work. But I had a, I have guests who have used it and it's not, they have not seen the benefits from it. I'm not saying, I'm not coming after Rogaine. I'm just saying I'm not seeing it be that beneficial. Well, I've heard that it can, if you use it like before you really need it, like try to use it preventatively or whatever, that it can actually make you lose your hair faster. Mm. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but that's just what I've heard. But you're saying if you have male pattern baldness, that the hair follicles are are dead at that point. They're not going to grow hair regardless. Right. Like you can try all, all kinds of things, but I think at that point you're going to need some kind of a medical procedure or... Right. They have all kinds of different things that you can do now where I have guests who they've like shaved the entire top half of their heads, like from their parietal ridge, which is like the widest part of your head up. And then you glue down a piece and you have it changed out every however many weeks or whatever, but it looks like it's your hair, but it's essentially kind of like an extension, but mm-hmm. it's a hair piece that is glued on. And it looks it looks amazing, but oh. I don't... I've not known from my experience, once male pattern baldness, if, if it's something that, that runs in your family, I don't see it coming back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where my husband is. Both of his grandfathers were bald by the time he was born, like totally. And he finally was just like, I'm just going to shave it all off because there's no point anymore. Yeah, I think he looks great. He does look great. Yeah. Baldy beardy. Love it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. College is a very common time for people to start showing signs of mental illness. The stresses of college as well as the huge life change can trigger or exacerbate mental illnesses. For Paul, that was the depression and the OCD. He was a big germaphobe and showered repeatedly and for extended periods, at times five hours, and would wear two pairs of underwear at a time and refuse to wear shorts. Paul's OCD was out in full force. Not only was he still showering and shaving repeatedly, but he was struggling to make decisions and couldn't keep a job. People with OCD can often struggle with decision-making as they are typically worried about making the wrong choice or the uncertainty. I'm worried about his skin too. That much showering, you got to think that your skin is going to be very, very dry because you're stripping it of its natural oil, same with your hair. Mm-hmm. That way, your hair and skin overproduce oils. And then, yeah, I'm just, I'm scared for him. Like, yeah, that's a lot. Another issue with his OCD was that it would cause him to revisit things like resentments and insults over and over again. So when he thought that he was rebuffed by his family or really anyone in general, he would think about it repeatedly and stew in it for years. This is kind of the mentality of like the stalker syndrome, like somebody that you meet once and then they obsess and obsess and obsess. And then, yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. not the same thing, but it's the same thought process, I think. Right. Yeah. Paul also liked to debate with people about religion and specifically he liked to argue about whether or not people actually believed every single word in the Bible. He wasn't sure that anyone really believed every word. But that goes with, that reminds me of Andrea Yates. Like if you take things out of context and try to make them apply to whatever you're talking about, you can't do that kind of stuff. Like that's, yeah, that's looking for a fight. Like he's so nitpicky and he seems to be very combative. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of goes hand, it, it's going to be very difficult to keep friends if mm-hmm. they feel like all you're trying to do is pick apart. Like religion is very important to a lot of people, no matter what it is. So if you start essentially like tearing apart somebody's religion with them, I think there's only so many times that they're going to engage in that conversation and then be like, I think I'm going to have to move on. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Right. Paul began skipping his meds and eventually reportedly attempted suicide by shooting himself. It's unclear where he shot himself, though. He told a psychiatrist that he couldn't stop thinking about death. He also frequently threatened to kill his sisters. It was reported in a few sources that Paul was possibly jealous of his sisters or that he felt like a failure and needed to place blame somewhere. Back in 1998 or 99, when he was like 24, 25, Paul took out a restraining order on his sister Carla when he claimed that she tried to kill him. He dropped the complaint a few weeks later. And then in 2006, Carla attempted to get a restraining order against Paul. She claimed that he threatened to kill her by slitting her throat, and then he said he would kill himself. She also withdrew her complaint after a few weeks. Okay. It seems like... It seems like it's one of those... um, Oh, God damn it. What is it called? 
Um, what am I, a mind reader? I don't know. <laughs> you know, when you you accuse somebody of something because you did it yourself. Guilty conscience? Yes. Like he was saying, oh, well, she tried, she threatened to kill me. All you've been doing, Paul, is threatening to kill your sisters. That's all you've been doing. Yeah. Like how convenient all, all of a sudden Carla's like gonna try to kill you. That's not, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying it's unlikely and very convenient. Yeah. Yeah, it is very convenient. Also in 1998, there are records from Miami-Dade County that say that Paul was arrested for disorderly conduct and charged with a misdemeanor, but that's all we know about that. Brother-in-law, Patrick Knight, who was also a board-certified civil trial lawyer from Miami, didn't appear to be Paul's biggest fan even before the shooting. He described Paul as a quote-unquote fat, lazy failure who never had a job or girlfriend and just stayed at home all day on his computer. Paul was, quote-unquote, by no means a functioning member of society. Tell us how you really feel, Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He does not mince words. I do feel like there are a lot of signs of mental illness going on. Yes, yeah. And he's been talking to his psychiatrist about it. I mean, and here we are. We're telling another story that involves mental illness that balls were dropped. Fell in between the cracks. Yes, and who knows what could have played out differently. This reminds me of Bruce Blackman. Yeah, definitely. That was that was one of the most, I feel like, egregious cases of the mental health system failing somebody I've ever seen, I feel but like. That case down to him kind of treating his friends in erratic ways and then being like, dude, what what's going on here? Like all Bruce wanted to talk about was the Bible. He wasn't trying to nitpick it or pick it apart, but that's all he wanted to talk about. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Especially being, and he was reading it furiously and he was dyslexic. He had such a hard time with reading. And it's like this obsessive yeah. need to, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, very reminiscent. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's so true. I'm very smart, Terrella. Yep. Yeah. If people in high school were asked about you, they'd be like, she's not, she's not nearly as dumb as her sister. <laughs> right. I have heard her make a good point or two. Right. She's got a face for the books. Really pretty. <laughs> smart. Really pretty smart. Really pretty smart. Cool. Yeah. Not pretty, but smart. <laughs> as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So back to Thanksgiving. In 2009, Paul Marriage started making meticulous plans. 
Weeks before Thanksgiving, he spent over $2,000 buying guns and ammunition. Where did he get? Oh, from his parents. Mm-hmm. He went to two different gun shops to get his supplies and purchased a scope to be attached to the bolt-action rifle, which was a Remington 700. Mm-hmm. Paul claimed that he wanted the four guns he would buy for hunting. He packed up clothes and withdrew at least $12,000 in cash from the bank. How much money were his parents giving him? After dinner on Thanksgiving 2009, Paul began his massacre by methodically shooting members of his family. 16 family members were present and there had been no arguments or even heated conversations. They had just sung songs and Michaela had shown her family the dances for her performance the next day. Paul went out to the car and was gone for like 20 minutes before he came back inside armed. The event was quick but effective as he stood near the fridge with what was described as an evil haunting look on his face. He picked off family members. His sisters Carla and Lisa were one of the first to get shot. Both died from their injuries. And Lisa was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Lisa's husband, Patrick, was shot in his stomach, but was conscious long enough to witness the rest of Paul's actions. Ramon Joseph was shot once in her shoulder. When her husband, Dr. Antoine, attempted to stop the bleeding, Paul put the barrel of the gun to her chest and pulled the trigger. (gasps) Mm. The bullet tore through her sternum and heart. The shot jammed his gun. Paul pointed the gun at his uncle and tried to fire twice, but nothing happened. At some point, he reportedly, by Patrick, reloaded the gun and said to his dad, I've been waiting 20 years to do this. Oh my God. That is so scary. Then finally, Paul took his final victim in the most horrific way. He went to the six-year-old Michaela's room where she was sleeping in her Tinkerbell pajamas. No. Before this night, Paul and Michaela had never even met. Paul shot her in the back and the hip. Then he started to leave, but immediately after leaving her room, he went back and shot her a final time in the head. The fuck is wrong with this guy? Jesus. I do not understand that kind of brutal callousness. Mm -mm. A six-year-old, she wasn't even in the room. No. He didn't even know her. No. Like, not that any any shooting is valid or makes any sense. He didn't have a bone to pick with her. He didn't know her. She's Mm -mm. a child. Yeah. Oh, man. That is so sad. Then he just walked out of the house, got into his 2007 Royal Blue Toyota Camry, and drove away. The first 911 call came from a neighbor just after 10 p.m. They reported that they had heard gunshots. After the first call, more calls followed. Carla Marriage, Lisa Knight, and her unborn baby, Ramon Joseph, and little Michaela Joy Sitton were all beyond help. Clifford Jabara was grazed in the melee. Patrick Knight was in critical condition. Once at the hospital, he was put into a medically induced coma for the next few months. Goodness. The Red Cross disaster team received a call at 2 a.m. and provided a place for the surviving family members to stay for the rest of the weekend. Representatives from the Red Cross were on site until 8 a.m. When media coverage started, WPTV was especially present. Jim Sitton, who was Michaela's dad, had worked there for years as a videographer. The vice president of WPTV even commented that, quote, Jim Sitton is a much beloved member of our news team. That's even where he met his wife, Muriel, back in 1995. Okay, so at this point, we're going to take a quick detour to talk about the Sittons and some of the family. 
Muriel was a producer with Channel 5 in 1995, and she and Jim worked together, earning the station an Emmy. Jim would actually go on to win several more Emmys with WPTV Channel 5. It's pretty impressive. That's very impressive. In November of 2000, Muriel and Jim got married at the Breakers in Palm Beach. That's fancy. Very fancy. In fact, the Wednesday before their daughter was murdered in her bed was their ninth wedding anniversary. And I kind of love the name Muriel. I know. It's a really, it's kind of a unique name, I guess, because I don't feel like you hear it as much, but I really do like that name too. I think it's sweet. And of course, we've talked about this before because I bring it up as much as I can. There are certain things that like really get into my system and then I can't shut up about them, obviously. But Muriel's Wedding, mm-hmm. Tony Collette, I fucking love Tony Collette. Torella would hate this movie because Muriel is obsessed with ABBA and they play it a lot, but I love Muriel's Wedding. I think it's cute. <laughs> yeah, ABBA is not my jam. I just, <laughs> just don't. Reminds me of like musicals and I don't like any musicals. Well, I don't like Mamma Mia, the musical, but I love ABBA's music. So mm. I just love a good disco. Sure, sure. I mean, I like the Bee Gees. Well, as you should. And if yeah. you didn't, we would stop being sisters. That's true. In 2002, they had a daughter, Michaela Joy. Michaela was described as a voracious reader. She loved to sing and dance and often told stories. She was even writing her own novel about a squirrel that her dad had found a few days before the massacre. Oh, that is so sweet. A novel it about me a squirrel. A funny farm. Remember when she writes the novel about Andy the squirrel and it was 100% about Chevy Chase's. Have you seen Funny Farm? I have, but it's been a really long time. I don't even know why we do this anymore. It's like I everything know. that I talk about goes right over your head. We're taking applications for a new podcast host that gets me. Whoa. It had to I be mean, said. I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess so. I know. That Man, is like, we're tied. I know we always like had, I know I've watched the movie more than once. I just don't remember. Well, okay. We'll move I'm on. The worst. Okay, sorry. Michaela was going to be turning seven just days after Thanksgiving that year. Muriel had been homeschooling Michaela and people said that Michaela was wide-eyed and polite. She loved dogs and her parents had just recently gotten her a King Charles Spaniel named Abby. Oh my goodness. Those are cute puppies. They really are. When Jim Sitton was talking about Michaela after that night, he said that God packed a lot of sweetness into that little body. She's just our life. I don't know how we're ever going to recover. That is the sweetest way to describe a sweet little girl. I know. I just think. Yeah, I... I don't think that you... You don't have to be a parent to feel like what do you do? You know, I just, Mm -hmm. I don't understand how you survive once your child is gone like that. Well, I mean, what, what was the one that we just talked about where they said it was, um, it was Madeline McCann. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like my heart or, uh, um, um, somebody took out my lung. Like, how do you, how do you breathe after that? Yeah. It's just so, I mean, you do, you go on like, People who've been through that are astonishing because they somehow do. And I'm sure that it ne- that pain never goes away. Mm-mm. But you still carry on. I just, it, it really does amaze me. It really does. It's so sad. He said that Paul had tried to snuff out the light. 
He came into a baby's room. He saw her innocence and he walked in and purposefully killed her. Oh my God, I could cry. That's so hateful. Like, it's hateful to kill anybody. But like you said, why? Like, it just does not make any sense. And I know that it's, you know, we always say like, you're not going to, you're never going to be able to make sense of it. It's you trying to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who would walk in and murder a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. I just, it's so senseless. There is absolutely no reason for it. Right. She Jim, was minding her own business, just sleeping in her little Tinkerbell asleep. pajamas. Yes. Ah. Jim Sitton also said that he didn't think that in planning this family massacre, Paul had planned to kill Michaela. He thinks that once they were together and everyone was fawning over Michaela, Paul got jealous. What a fucking dick. Get over yourself, Paul. She's six years old. Of course, they're fawning over her. She's precious. Yeah. Like, just because you're not the center of attention, you're a fucking grown-ass man. Get over yourself. I bet you'd get a little bit more attention. Now, and again, I understand. He had some mental illness going on that was not... um, Oh, of course. You know, he had stopped taking his medicine and stuff like that. But I do think jealousy had a lot to do with this because I do think that he resented his sisters for Mm -hmm. thriving. Yes. And And I think because he started out on this trajectory of thriving, he was like crushing it. And then somewhere after he graduated high school, Things took a turn, or even in high school, I think they started to kind of crumble beneath him. Mm-hmm. And mental illness plays a huge part in this, and I'm not saying that it doesn't. But where his mind went was, look at what everybody else did to me. Right. And then yeah. he resented and blamed. Exactly. Instead of taking taking his medication as he should. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big part of it too. Well, and that's a form of taking responsibility. If you're mm-hmm. not... If And, you know, there's a lot that goes into all of that. And we know that. There's no, not yeah, trying to blame yeah, somebody for their mental people, illness, but. Right. Yeah. Because there's definitely some people who are not going to be able to stay on top of that for themselves. And I don't know whether or not he could. But the the way that it sounds when you read stuff about it is that he, I mean, he did just stop taking his medication. So either somebody should be on top of that or, you know, I don't know. But. Mm-hmm. To murder, I mean, I think if he'd had his way, he would have murdered everybody. But, uh, yeah, you know, to murder your family because they're thriving and you're not, there are ways for people. I mean, there's plenty of people with depression and OCD that do function in society, hold down jobs, have meaningful relationships. It's possible. Well, and I think that that's the thing that we always try to keep into consideration or take into consideration with this kind of stuff is that we are not faulting someone for the like the hand that they've been dealt because that's not fair to do. However, we you have to look at it from an objective situation and from a standpoint of like, well, there are other people that have been dealt the same hand exactly and they don't go on to do this kind of stuff. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're talking about this. Like, right. where did that yeah. take a turn? Exactly. What are the differences? What are the similarities? And what could we have done to prevent this so that hopefully mm-hmm. another Paul marriage doesn't happen? Yeah. 100%. I think the strangest part of this is that this was not the first familicide in this family. 
Back in 1973, an aunt of Paul's on his dad's side killed her ex-husband and two children before killing herself. Oh my God. Yeah. Salwa Marriage Adams had given up her future as an opera singer to be a wife to her husband, James Adams, who was a pilot and a mother to their children, Jack and Melissa Ann. Then after- Wow. That's, yeah, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever encountered anybody that... I've only known one opera singer and it was through a friend of mine, Secret, who I love and adore. She had a friend who was an opera singer and we went to Tuscaloosa, I think it was, to see him in an opera. It was Madame Butterfly. And we ended up staying at his apartment that night. And he's like, I'm going to go wash all this grease paint off my face because he had a ton of makeup on, right? So he goes in the shower. And do I sing in the shower? Fuck yes, I sing in the shower. I don't sing opera in the shower. The acoustics were amazing. And I was like, what life am I living right now? Where I'm just sitting in his (laughs) living room listening to him sing opera in the shower. That's pretty incredible. It was amazing. Well, sure. Great singer. Great little singer. So she gives all this up. Then after 19 years of marriage, James left her for a flight attendant. Oh, that's, that's a problem. That's not nice to do. Oh, geez. That, uh, that took a turn that I was not ready for. Right. And you got it. I mean, obviously, tons of resentment has been mm-hmm. building for years because she gave up her passion for this man. I mean, obviously, she resented her children. That's unfortunate because they didn't do anything. They didn't ask for this. But yeah, then James has the audacity to leave her for, I'm guessing, a younger woman. Yeah, I would guess so. Maybe that's not fair. I don't know. But that's, uh, yeah, that's got to be tough. I cannot imagine. Yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't either. That's, but you don't kill your family. Okay, all right, let's keep going. So they get a divorce, but after the final hearing, Salwa invited James over to the house to talk. 14-year-old Jack, 10-year-old Melissa Ann, and the family dog were waiting in the car while their parents were in the house. They were alone in the master bedroom when Salwa took out her 38 caliber revolver and shot her ex-husband four times in the chest. Then Salwa brought Jack into the house and shot him until the gun was empty. Finally, she brought Melissa Ann into the house, but in a different room. Salwa shot her as well. After her family was dead, Salwa didn't shoot herself. Instead, she swallowed a handful of pills, which were barbiturates. She didn't die then either. She would spend five days in a coma at South Miami Hospital before dying. That had to have been a very rough way to go. Yeah, I would think so. It's like a very drawn out. Yeah. It's just very, again, you know, definitely something you'd want to look into because this is the second time in this family and it's it's in that line, you know, it's in mm-hmm. Paul's lineage. So what do we have here? It's very, it's it's heartbreaking. It's interesting. And it's, well, and it's I so feel sad. Like the, yeah, that's the kind of thing that, this is what horror movies are based off of. Yeah. It, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's it you could easily call it a curse but i feel like what really it boils down to is there were warning signs and warning signs and warning signs and warning signs and mm-hmm. it just got like it fell through the cracks like you said it just yeah that sounds very this story sounds very betty broderick just mm-hmm. 
I'm honestly now surprised a little bit that Betty didn't go after the kids too. I don't know why, but just she she had become so unhinged that... Well, and resentful. And yes, I mean, there was a lot there. Yeah, that I wouldn't... I don't know. After hearing this, I kind of wouldn't put it past her. I'm, I'm just... I'm thankful that... It, I'm sad that she killed two people, but I'm thankful she didn't try to kill her children because it very easily could have bled over into that, you know? Well, yeah. And it kind of seems like if you were criminal profiling, it seems like that would have been the next obvious move for her. Yeah, and those are very similar in the sense that, you know, Betty gave up a lot too. I wonder, you know, did Salwa, her career put maybe James through school or pay for him, you know, to do the things that he wanted to do? And then she said, okay, I'm going to stay home. And, you know, 19 years later, now you find somebody new and exciting and whatever. I mean, that there's a lot of resentment there too, but that's very, very reminiscent of the Betty Broderick case. Oh, yeah. And you have to think about the times too. This was in the 70s and that's not uncommon for women to be like, I mean, because we're still, it's it's bleeding into like this new wave of how things are going to go now where like the working woman is coming into play, but it's still leftover 50s housewife. Uh-huh. So I feel like it's... Uh, I don't know. I know. And we're still fighting that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we're still fighting mm-hmm. that. It's insane. But yeah, maybe one day. Maybe one day. All right. So that was just kind of a detour just to kind of... I mean, it, it adds some context to the whole thing too. You know, there's, there's definitely... Well, it sets the scene for the story. Yeah, for sure. So when Paul leaves the Sitton's home in Jupiter, he completely just disappeared. And the police had no idea where he went. And that's where we're going to stop today. (laughs) I was waiting for you to drop the bomb. Like, okay. And the end. And it's like, at what point do I want to become a total dick? And I wanted to wait (laughs) just another minute to do that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So tune in either next week or if you're a patron, you have part two waiting on you already. So... Yes, you do. And that's another, it's a gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. So we hope you are having a fabulous Thanksgiving. Um, I hope we don't scare the bejesus out of any of you about visiting your family. (laughs) And I also hope, my hope for everyone is that if you don't have the Patreon and you do have to wait a week, that your leftovers last as long as it takes for this next episode to reach you. Oh my gosh, that's my be the dream to have leftovers for yes. a week. Yeah, yes. I usually barrel through them pretty quick, but. Well, I mean, it's personal restraint is tough. So it really is, especially at Thanksgiving. And you know what, guys? We're thankful for you. We really yes, are. Yes, we are. Yeah, do you want to do a little I'm thankful for moment? I'm thankful for thongs while we're <laughs> at it. I'm, just I'm thankful for the fall weather that we're yes. having. Yes. Oh, that's nice. Blew this chick skirt right up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and also, by the way, yes, I'm thankful for thongs. Yes. (laughs) Just, yeah, Terrella, what are you thankful for? Let's go there. Okay. So, well, uh, epidurals, first and foremost. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I'm very thankful for those. I think that where you're going is because your oldest son's birthday is right around these times. It is. His birthday is the week of 
likes Gibbons. He'll be five. Mm-hmm. I'm I like, know. I'm like, it's bittersweet, you know? Yes. Because he's in such a fun age where he's so interactive and so hilarious. I know. But he brushed his like- own hair last night after shower. And I always have to brush his hair for him. And he actually did it right. And I kind of teared up uh, about it. Yeah. I feel like it's like the Ross thing when Ben starts, oh, Ben, when he says his first word and he, or he pulls himself up and he's like, okay, what's next? He's going to be driving a car, going to college. Does he have a favorite liqueur? I don't know about like, (laughs) yeah, I know it happens so fast. I'm like, no, I, you need me to comb your hair for you. I mean, it's like on one hand, it's like you want them, you know, to do more stuff so that you don't have to constantly be there. But at the same time, it's like, okay, but I'm not ready for you to not need me for that. Yeah. I know. Sweet angel. But, you know, I'm thankful for a lot of stuff. My, um, I always just joke that I'm thankful for epidurals, but they are amazing. Um, yeah, I was going to say, you should be thankful, I'm sure. Yeah. My family, of course. And I mean, definitely our listeners. Like, we've made so many new friends and it's been, it's been just amazing. I'm also mm-hmm. thankful that 2020 is coming to a close. I am hesitant to say things like that because we did a lot of shit talking about 2019 and then here comes 2020. (laughs) So I don't want 2021 to be like, uh, hold my beer. Yeah, that would, oh my God, that would be horrible. Horrible. My friend sent me a link to these shirts that she ordered on Etsy for her family's Christmas PJs. And it is like the drawing of just the Grinch's hand holding, I think he's holding a mask and it says 2020 stink. Stank, stunk. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I love that. that. It's very true. What are you thankful for? All right. Well, I personally, first and foremost, am very thankful for... I'm thankful for our listeners, of course, always. I feel like they're more than listeners. They are friends. And we have to thank you for being a friend all day, every day. Mm -hmm. I am thankful for the 90s. <laughs> I'm thankful for Beanie Babies. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for being able to do what we love doing and somehow people like it enough to be getting paid to do it and to be able to do it for hopefully... This is my hope for 2021. It's kind of a Thanksgiving but also New Year's resolution. I want to be doing the podcast full time. So I'm thankful that we are on a path towards that. Well, that's great. I think that's great. So you guys tag us. What are you thankful for? Exactly. And if it's thongs, same girl. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I I do love a thong. Mm -hmm. Sure. Of course you do. And you know what specifically thongs I'm thankful for are Soma's (laughs) thongs. I know this is ridiculous, but... A couple of years ago, Andrew got me underwear from Soma and I was kind of pissed at him because I was like, oh, she was offended. I was offended. I thought it was like an older lady thing. And so I thought he was like, basically like, you can't do young people underwear anymore. You're now here. But I got to tell you, they come up a little higher. I like that a lot. Covers my C-section scar. Very comfortable. I really love Soma underwear. I'm a, I'm a full believer that. now. Yeah, they're great. I love if, it. if you don't if you don't shop at Soma, you gotta you gotta try it. <laughs> I love that. I also want to say that I'm thankful for green bean casserole because that is my shit and I cannot wait to eat oh it. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. So good. 
Okay. So yeah, tag us in what you're thankful for. Tag us in what your favorite Thanksgiving uh, meal is. Or if you're not in the US and this day is just a normal, regular day, what kind of day are you having? What are you excited about coming up for the next year? Yeah. Let us know. We can do some like, we can do some like 2021, like goal planning and like intention setting. You know what I mean? Sure. No, I love that. I love that all day long. Well, thank you so much for listening and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.